When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On ScoreNorth.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, welcome everyone into Purple Daily. Two hours of football talk every single day, Monday through Friday here on Score North. And if you miss any of the show, you can get it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Just type in Score North. We've got Minnesota Vikings coverage on scorenorth.com. And for our two hours today from the Minnesota State Fair, we have ESPN's Courtney Cronin. We have Score North's Judd Zolgad, who has just completed one of his great all-time headlines about the Minnesota Wild, and uh, Judd, you have to feel great about yourself. Uh, after that, that press conference, if you're a fan of the team, I don't think you do, but my headline I'm very proud of. Uh, yeah, so go to scorenorth.com. New York to Post, see that. baby. Uh, yeah, you, they've got nothing you, on you me. You missed your calling. You should be an editor for them. Um, like, you, you should write their headline. I wouldn't be a bad job. Manhattan, I wouldn't. I could take that. So uh, here's where I want to start with you, Courtney, and you, Judd. Is the other day. I had Courtney pick every Vikings game, win or loss, all the way through the schedule, all right? And after seeing two preseason games, 20 practices, doing numerous interviews, talking with Gary Kubiak, she ended up with an 11-5 and record for I cha- the I Minnesota Vikings. I changed my Vikings. original. I remember that. It was 10-6 originally, originally six. right? Yeah, I was impressed. I flipped a few games around. I added one win. So they have uh, a plus-one win in your uh, estimation uh, just through this training camp. And we kind of moved on after that, and we talked about some other things. But I wanted to circle back to it because it is kind of interesting. When the schedule came out and the uh, – offseason had essentially sort of come to an end they're drafting maybe i don't know is it before the draft so is it schedule yeah the schedule okay right before the draft so it was before the draft and they had done their free agency work and so we have a good amount of information but not all the information so they go through the draft and then we don't talk about the schedule anymore after that and we just sort of get into all the minutiae and then we take vacations and everything else and now we come back and we've got 11 and 5 from courtney and I want to talk about this more. Like, what needs to happen for the Minnesota Vikings to actually go 11-5? and five? Because every year, we know this, that ESPN will do their picks for every game, right? And someone inevitably will add them all up, and they will make fun of ESPN, and they'll Saying say... that everybody's never below 500. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, this doesn't match up exactly. And, and, and how would you even do that, even if you There's wanted to? There's 32 of us. But it's like... also, it's, it's done by the expectation of the team. So if you're the Cincinnati Bengals reporter, you say, well, maybe they should be 8-8. Eight eight. Now, they might be 6-10, and 10, uh, but they expected to be an 8-8 eight eight type of team or something yeah. like that. And this team, I think, Courtney, has their expectation about where you picked them, that they should be 11-5. and five. So I, what is your reaction, Judd, to that? Like, is, is she getting too excited by seeing a couple of play-action passes in oh, preseason? I don't, I don't think I have any level what? of excitement. Look at my face. <laughs> like, this is how I feel about I gonna, the preseason. I, I am burned say, out from this. It, it's, a, it's impossible to... Uh, Say that Courtney's enthusiastic about the Vikings or the, the league because you're really not. No, I'm I think the biggest skeptic I know about yeah, this team. I think you're probably just with, without doing the exercise again myself. I think you're probably gone one win uh, too aggressive. Yeah, but I don't think it's because like you're enthusiastic about this team. Um, I think it's to to interrupt. I think it's just yeah. looking at the, their opponents. Knowing what we know from different training camps around the league, I mean, Dallas right now, 
is a mess. Like, are they going to get Zeke signed before the season starts? What's going to – I mean, the first contract they do is for a linebacker. Mm-hmm. They have three other massive ones. Amari Cooper's not playing the rest of the preseason. Is he going to be healthy for week one? I mean, you have to factor in, um, I think, just how other camps are doing. And really, they haven't given me a reason yet to not think that they could be an 11-5 and five team. Mm-hmm. There's not been any catastrophic injury. There's yep. not been any, um, you know – the offense is, I think, where it needs to be. It's not like we're still waiting on things to click. I mean, you're starting to see things come together. The defense hasn't shown any signs of regression yet. I mean, yeah, everything's still vanilla, but I don't think that it's unrealistic to think that they could be in that pool because when you look at the NFC North, for example, they should they should win the division. They should beat Chicago. They should beat Green Bay. They should have no trouble beating Detroit. I mean, there are... I like the pressure. There, there are instances where, you know, you think that there are going to be some tough games along the way, but this team is talented enough. It really is. It's so just, here's my question, though. Mm-hmm. It's been a quiet camp. Yeah. My, my former beat writer senses, though, tell me this. Does that mean that we're in for a potentially tumultuous regular season yeah because no possibly no, I'm with you because some, because sometimes things go wrong from day one but sometimes we get lulled into being like oh man we're just talking about uh, butt sweat that's all we're talking about <laughs> but, and then week one somebody breaks their leg i can't decide if this is a good or bad thing i'm so, waiting on the other shoe to drop i'm with you on that judd and i think that is the cynic in me that's always expecting chaos uh just because i mean we know this team whether they're good or bad they're always in the news there's always something about them that's newsworthy, and they have been quiet, and they've been almost too quiet this entire offseason. So this reminds me a lot, though, of the 2017 training camp where I think we were having a lot of the same discussions. I remember us just continually debating whether Sam Bradford could actually be this team's long-term franchise quarterback, and then the, the catastrophe does happen. He goes down in week one. Delvin Cook goes down a few weeks later, but ultimately all the things that we saw during training camp Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen looking great. The offensive line being better. The offensive system under Pat Shermer in 2017 all looking better. Those were things that we were reporting on during camp, and those are the things that ultimately came to fruition for that team going 13-3. Now, you never, in my mind, unless you have Tom Brady or Drew Brees, you never set the bar at 13-3 and or 12-4. and I think that's just generally too high, but... As for right now, if we were going through, and let's say we made a list of all the things that could have gone catastrophically wrong during training camp, you'd start with an injury or something like that, and then you go sort of down. Is there any uh, off-the-field type of nonsense or whatever? And we can check no boxes. The only box you could check is that there is a kicker situation. Yeah. <laughs> which but, which but, could derail this team because it, it, could, it has It passed. could, but, but I wouldn't look at this kicker situation, especially after seeing Kerry Vedvik in practice nail one from 55 that had 65 written all over it. Today? Today. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Today. Boom. He but boomed he missed one, one, he missed one from 45. He did. I mean, but, he's been inconsistent. Yeah, but his his 55-yarder was a bomb today in practice. Right. So we'll see if he's uh, actually kicking on Saturday afternoon. But the point just being, if the only box you can check of all the potential things that could have gone wrong in training camp for the Vikings is weird kicker situation, I feel like it's reasonable to say... Well, you know, you're picking best-case scenario coming out of camp for this team because you go through, well, okay, how's it going to work with Stefanski and Kubiak? Are they going to be at odds? Or are, are people going to be confused with the offense? Well, that hasn't happened at all. And on a daily basis in practice and then out in the preseason games, it's looked really, really solid. And when we had Robert Mays and uh, Sam Monson from PFF on the other day, they were talking about how, this it it all makes sense with Kirk Cousins. It all makes sense with the exactly, weapons that they have. Exactly, which is why you can't. I don't think you can skeptically think like, oh, this is a nine and seven team or an eight seven and one team. I mean, things can and probably will go wrong. Like they that always happens. Like there's always a means to the end in the NFL. But when you're projecting things out, they give you no reason to think that they cannot be a 10-6 and six or an 11-5 team, unless you really are that concerned about the kicking situation. You just think that. It has been overthought and overdone and played with too much. So this is this is why I wanted to bring it up to you, Judd, because when she initially picked the schedule and came up with eleven and five, I was uh-huh. like, okay, ten well, and six. You mean maybe uh, when I initially? Did no, it. no, I mean just I the other day. Last week, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. When you did it the other day and you came up with eleven and five, I thought, well, maybe you spent a little too much time in the sun at training camp or something, and uh, you're delirious on Vikings, but. 
I, I mean, where I'm at right now, I'm having a really tough time disagreeing. And when you do look at the schedule, I've got a lot of questions about the NFC North. But the non-NFC North games, you've got some tough ones. I'm not super concerned about Seattle being a team that you can't beat. Right? I wouldn't automatically say you can't beat Seattle. I wouldn't uh, automatically say you can't beat Dallas. Kansas City, probably not on the road. But aside from that, I mean, it, it is a, it's, it's a tough schedule, but it's not, like, insurmountably difficult. And where I'm at right now in training camp at this moment on what is the date today? 22nd. August 22nd, the first day of the fair. I think I'm with you with, with, a, with this team being um, at the top of the NFC North. All right, I'll peel this back a little bit more. And, and not having seen as many practices, certainly, or even close as you two have, I'm going to... I'll give you the, the, yeah, but. Okay. That's, that's, that's why you're here. Kubiak, <laughs> I think, is going to do a good job. I think he is the head coach of th- this offense. Am I convinced that Kirk is going to be as good as Kirk needs to be with this line? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We are also banking on this offense having Delvin Cook healthy for the majority, if not all 16 games of the season. I'm not banking on that. I think that that could be a long shot. It also has to, it concerns me a little bit that at some point in time there is a chance that that elements, not all, but pieces of this defense are going to start to fall apart a little bit. And there's, there's going to be a step back there. And let's say that this is the first year of that step back. And now you go to Kirk and be like, okay, Kirk, we need more. And Kirk can't give you more. Yeah. That's where, and, and plus... I am not sold. I don't know what Green Bay is going to be. Yeah. And they're such a huge X factor. Like, if Green Bay has health, their defense should be improved. If the quarterback can play, he's off the charts good. So there's just a lot of X factors here that, that I, I can see where both of you guys are coming from, but I'm not sure I'm sold that it's going to go as, as according to plan as the Vikings hope. So let, let me ask you this. Uh, with the different things that could go the wrong way, how many of them – impact the final win-loss record because you bring up Delvin Cook and I think Delvin Cook is an important part of this offense in a lot of ways they want to throw to him they want him to play every down but when he went down in 2017 Latavius Murray stepped up and Jarek McKinnon stepped up and those guys were really good on the back of a great scheme called by Pat Shermer and I, I know that it's one of those things that we talk about kind of a lot with Cook and his health and could he get injured but I think we're even seeing it in Dallas where they have some backup running back who no one has ever heard of sure. who looks great in preseason and camp, and that's why they don't want to pay Ezekiel Elliott. And I, I kind of think I, maybe I talk out of both sides of my mouth by saying I think Delvin Cook is really, really good, but I wouldn't change the win-loss record if you told me he only played eight games this year. Well, I'm confident in that just because of what they have behind him. And I think what limited action we've seen in the preseason between so far – Alexander Madison and Mike Boone that you could probably replicate a system similar to what Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon had in 2017 if you scheme to you know running first and kind of having that focus like if he were to go down if he weren't able to play the full 16 games and even still I don't think you change the win-loss record I mean maybe you even give yourself a little bit of room to work with there but that being said like, there's still so many other factors on offense. Like, I'm with you, Judd. I mean, you brought up the offensive line. Um, we've seen two games where the starters have been together for nine plays on the first game and then, like, 19 the second game. Um, I need to see something this, this week that convinces me in that first half that the interior of this line is going to be solidified. Because Pat Offline got pushed around a lot, and he has gotten pushed around a lot in training camp. There have been good moments, but there's also been – things that make you kind of shake your head thinking is it going to be 2018 all over again where the interior play is going to really get to Kirk because he doesn't have you know he can sense pressure somewhat from the outside but when it comes up through the middle that's where he really struggles and I'm just not sold that it's completely fixed yet even though people want to think okay Garrett Bradbury is your is your day one center that's great and everything but you have two guards that are kind of shaky on both sides of him, and I'm just not completely sold yet that it's all hunky-dory and going to be perfect. Um, it'll never be perfect, but it's you know I'm not sure it's that much better. Okay, so let's go through some of the things that could go wrong and how they would impact this 11 and five expectation. Sure. All right, so you you're starting there, and I totally agree with you that the interior of this offensive line, it's supposed to be fixed, but when you just go through the three guys, Elf Line has struggled, and we don't really know in 
camp practice because Linval Joseph just got back out there. Sure. So practicing against backups, Jalen Holmes and Hercules Mata'afa, is not like practicing against Linval Joseph. But even, and, in, and even in the 19 snaps you saw against Seattle, they he did good. not look good. He got turned yep. around several times. Yep, they weren't good, and he's coming off a year where he was not good last season and then being asked to move positions. So that kind of has a red flag all over it. Um, but Pro Football Focus did a study on this. The least position that affects your total output of points on the offensive side is left guard. And, I, I mean, I would tend to agree with that, sure. right? If you were trying to hide one player, about probably right be left guard. guard. About but right guard. that would be the question. So let, let's just say that the interior of the offensive line is just not that great. Yep. Like the, the elf line thing doesn't work, and Bradbury has rookie struggles, and Josh Klein is, isn't all that good. How much is that affecting whether they can go 11-5? and five? It affects your quarterback huge. And, and in this case, th- that's important. I, I think the beginning conversation of this offense is – how much can Kirk overcome? Yeah. And yep. if the answer is he's Tom Brady, well, then you know what? Cool. It's going to be fine. Right. But he's not, and we know that. And so I think from, from the changes made on the O-line to going to getting Gary from Colorado, begging him to come here, all of those things. Possibly. All those things were done. We pre- don't know how he got here, Judd. I told you, he woke up on the practice field at TCL <laughs> Performance Center. Someone knocked him out. He's like, where am I? They said, Gary, please coach, coach Kirk Cousins. But I really think the beginning, the beginning and end of this, this discussion is the quarterback. And, and I know it's been had a thousand times before, and I know some are bored by it. But the importance is huge. And everything that you strip away and are like, well, that didn't work. That didn't work. Well, that didn't work. You don't have a guy who can simply clap his hands and say, that's okay, I got this. Yeah, I don't, the whole like put the team on your back notion, that cliche, possible, that's man. not possible with this quarterback, which is why I think when you talk about defensive regression, they've got to hope that nobody gets hurt here. They've got to hope that their lack of uh, depth in the secondary doesn't come back to kill them because when you can play, and he's never had this, I mean, except for last year where the offense was a disaster, they had no identity, and he just wasn't good. Um, Outside of that, he's never played with a great defense. And the security blanket that that provides you, look at what Case Keenum was able to do. You don't play tight. When, you don't play like Case Keenum did in 2017 if you don't have the number one defense. You really don't because you, you're worried about turning the ball over. You're worried about the mistakes you make and what nobody's going to be able to bail you out. If they can have a defensive performance, you know, 75% of, of the season, where the defense has to be, you know, can, can bail this team out of like really tough situations and, you know, come through when Kirk can't, they'll be fine. But if there's injuries, if there's, you know, regression in play, if Xavier Rhodes is not good this year, if, you know, if this whole defensive line, like, you know, with Everson Griffin's age and Lindell Joseph and where he's at, if it doesn't come together, then they're in trouble because Kirk doesn't have enough to overcome the weaknesses elsewhere when they're exposed. Okay, let's get into that more when we come back. Uh, so... Courtney picks the schedule right now from what we've seen, which is the defense is healthy and looks good. The offensive system looks like it fits Kirk Cousins. Delvin Cook has remained healthy through training camp. So let's assume that 11-5 and is sort of a best-case scenario sure. that we're putting down here. What can they survive and still win the NFC North? We'll uh, continue to discuss. We've got Judd Zulga at ESPN's Courtney Cronin. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Back here at the Minnesota State Fair, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, Judd Zulgad talking Minnesota Vikings football here on Purple Daily on Score North here every day from 2 until 4. We're going to just uh, be doing this from the fair for the next week or so. Sage Rosenfeld's going to be here. We'll have a journeyman day. And... Uh, <laughs> Yesterday, I want to point out that Sage Rosenfels said that at the Iowa State Fair, he threw a baseball 81 miles an hour and won a giant stuffed minion thing. 81 miles an hour. The man is like 40. 
I'm sure he's going to hold on to that forever, too. You know how ex-athletes are. They love to hold on to their, like, past their prime <laughs> athletic accomplishments. You don't say. And I'm say. not, and I'm not no. throwing any shade towards I, Sage. I would love to win myself. We saw a bear that went by, I, and Judd thinks that I'm going to clutter up my apartment. You don't need it. more clutter. No one needs more clutter. <laughs> I'd actually bring it. It would hold my spot down for me in the media room. Oh, I like it. Uh, yes. So many things I could say, but I'm not going to say because that'd be <laughs> unnecessary cheap shots. We have a lot. Not of, about you, buddy. We have a lot of things at our desks that can't be explained easily. Exactly. Um, in the media room. But yeah, if I could throw 81 miles an hour, I'd probably win two minutes. I would brag about it too. If, Me too. If, if I were in Sage's spot, Matthew, I you would for hard, sure. I would absolutely. Matthew would. We have I, no well, doubt. Look, I mean, I can can threes I know. playing basketball, and I brag about that constantly. So if I was Sage and I was actually good at sports, then of course I would. Um, and I brag because I he, win all the bets. He said, yes, you do. Um, Thank you. Did you, did you uh, win the other night a milkshake bet? I did because did, it yes. was a, a Oh, that's right. Kicker. So, yeah, that's we right. Should, we should explain to people what this no, is. No, it was... Um, it was the, the challenge. Challenge. It was challenge. The challenge. I did not ha- Who she, had the kicker bet with she you? She bet. Uh, that was Sam Ekstrom. Okay. She bet that Mike Zimmer would lose a challenge by the end of the first quarter. Happened and with 33, and with 33 seconds, left. seconds left. I was missing the challenge. Like, it was very good. It, it, was, it was the most dramatic you know what? part of the night for sure. They should take <laughs> the challenge flag away from Mike. Oh, I agree with that. Like, take just, it away from they, all head they coaches. Got enough, Sean Payton, that first game, too, lost a challenge. But with they like have enough coaches left. down there. Isn't yes. someone good at it? Like, is anyone good at it? Well, I think a lot of it, too. I mean, he said specifically in July that he was going to be throwing that thing all the time now, just to, especially because of the offensive pass interference yeah. and yeah. defensive pass interference, all the pass interference. But um, it's going to wait until the regular season when there's commercial breaks that you have to factor in that games are not three hours. These games are going to take four and a half to five hours. It's going to be, pa- <laughs> it's going to be Pac-12 football, game. Pac-12 oh, football in dark. the NFL. Yes. Uh, promise okay. you. Let's circle back to where we were at the end of last segment. We were talking about what this Vikings team could survive. And let's even go on the assumption that the offense improves. I mean, I, I just I feel like it would be impossible for this offense to be 19th again without major catastrophic injuries or an injury to Kirk Cousins. Even with injuries on the offensive line, it couldn't be worse than it was last year. And with uh, a much smarter mind in charge in Gary Kubiak than John Filippo, or at least a better design. I, yeah. Sorry, Filippo's had two shots at this have been fired in the first year both times. So I think it's fair to say Kubiak knows what he's doing more than uh, John Filippo. Um, so let's just let's say that the offense is is good. How good? I'm not sure. Well, but let's say there's improvement there. So what else could they survive? Like, could they survive um, Everson Griffin not being as good as he was in the past? Could they survive Xavier Rhodes not being good? I tend to think that they could on some of these things, but not all of them at once. Exactly. Well, you bring up the secondary. I th- that's a huge concern that we're kind of glazing over. I feel like just with the way campus shaked out um, – and just with my way Mike Zimmer's talked about, oh, it'll be fine. I'm waiting for some young DBs. They've got to step up. And Abe and Wickery, blah, blah, blah. Um, Not a real player. I think it's going to be a serious sounds, issue. Sounds like a stage play. Ben Abe and Wickery. Does that not sound like a stage play? <laughs> like in France. Well, wherever. <laughs> like, what's your high school stage play? Ben Abe and Wickery. Oh, I love that one. Um, who, who are you? <laughs> I'm the nickel corner. I, I well, play QB3. It worries me because we, you know, it just feels like we're kind of burying it for now. Like, oh, they'll get to it when they get to it. Like, if it's an issue, it's an issue. Yeah, their young corners are not very good. They're not, they do, I don't know if they, a lot of them have the mental and physical wherewithal it takes to play this position. Uh, as we've seen from Chris Boyd, maybe he just doesn't completely grasp the position yet. Uh, there was no other reason as to why he shouldn't have been playing more the other night. It reminds me of the wide receiver battle of, you know, these young guys who just cannot separate themselves from the pack. And the fact that Mike Zimmer's calling you out and saying, well, I hope somebody can can make it the roster via special teams because there's so much inconsistency at the actual position you're, you're selected to play, that's a problem. And I think that that could derail a lot of things just given we talk about, like, expected points and, yeah, and just, yeah. like, where this team is. That's the part that would give me some pause just because of who you're going against, and this is a passing league, um, and you're in nickel all the time, so you're relying on your corners and the depth that you don't have. I don't know if they get into shootouts, if that's something that they might be able to overcome on the offensive side. So I agree with you on that mostly, um, but I would say if one of your corners doesn't play well, 
they've still been able to survive that most of the time. Or if someone's hurt, like even last year. Now I know Holton Hill not being available is a problem, but last year at this time, going into the fourth preseason game, we weren't even sure he was on the team yeah. last year. We were saying, well, you know, it's until your article about him yeah. returning uh, kicks. Yes, and then they gave him a shot, and then you know they, they'll say that that was the difference. I, I'm sure that they had him on the team anyway. But yeah, they guaranteed him seventy five thousand dollars. But when they signed my, him. my point just being that someone usually finds a way uh, to, to be able to fill a spot because Mike Zimmer just seems to know how to scheme around any sort of shortcomings in the secondary. So if you told me that Xavier Rhodes either didn't have a great year or got hurt for five or six games or something like that, I would probably say I'm not changing that 11-5 and five that, that you've set. I'm not changing the expectation. Now, if you told me that both corners struggled or both corners got hurt or Mackenzie Alexander was a bust fire, maybe I would change it. But, but I think the only guy that could go down in the secondary where I would say, okay, maybe this changes the win-loss is Harrison Smith. I'm going to give you a worst case here. Let's, okay. cut, let's cut right to worst case. And, and it's multiple things, uh, but it's not picking on, on people. Roads get hurt. I think Griffin is cooked. I just think he's cooked. I, I, I'm not saying he can't help you a little bit, but the guy that, that we saw two years ago I think is just gone. And, now, and as I told you on the show yesterday, and this is something that concerns me a lot, Linval Joseph has been hurt. Yeah. He's clearly, yeah. okay, yeah. if he comes back now and, and is not as effective or A or B gets hurt again, Courtney, mm-hmm. now, now you've got issues in the pass game. And I think Matthew's right. I, thi- I think Zim can cover up for some of that. But more importantly, and we've seen this before, and I don't know that the head coach can fix this, is if you can gash the run game, which we have seen. And when that, and when that um, ball starts to roll down the, the hill against the Vikings, at times it's been bad. To me, that's where I can eat into your 11 wins and bring that down really quickly. And especially with, like, let's talk the NFC North. I mean, yeah. right. the Bears are still going to have a really good run game. The Lions have a very good run game. That should be better than it was um, even a year ago because Carry yeah. on Johnson's healthy now. I and mean, their offensive line is better. And their great. offensive yeah. line's better. Um, you mean, we talk about Shamar Stefan and Linville Joseph being the beef up front, I think is what <laughs> yes, Mike Zimmer Mike said. Zimmer called them the beef. I'm really happy to have the beef back, but <laughs> what you and I were talking about you the other day. You just never know. What's what is he, a Wendy's commercial? Yeah. Where's the beef? What I'm concerned about is what's going to happen Stephen. when teams want to pass on first and second down because they see Shamar Stefan in there because yeah. they want to yeah. like manipulate your weakness. Last year when teams tried to manipulate the Vikings' weakness, Mike Zimmer went complete the other way trying to outsmart and outscheme these players, and they got away from what they were doing. They were trying to be too exotic. Mixing fronts, doing the whole thing. Like, I mean, it just it didn't make any sense. And that's what bottomed out this past defense, allowing so, a perfect passer rating to Jared Goff in week four. I mean, if you try to, like, if early on they start getting exposed and they try to go the other way and, like, do a quick fix, that's what I worry about. So last year they have all sorts of problems. Griffin is not there. Linval's playing hurt, misses games. Kendricks, Barr, both missed games at different times. Anderson Deho goes out for the season. Waynes, did you mention the concussion? Uh, Waynes goes out. Uh, Rhodes is playing hurt. Mackenzie Alexander struggles. And in expected points added defense, they finish third in the entire NFL. And in passing, they're one of the best in the league. And a big reason for this is that Mike Zimmer schematically on third down is just excellent. I mean, he's th- he starts off his career here in Minnesota sending rushers over the guards, and everyone's like, what do we do with this? And then he would drop guys out, and they're, they're, quarterbacks are baffled, right? And then last year, he just decides, you know what? I've seen other people doing this, so they're practicing against it. I'm going to go to fire zone blitzes. I'm going to do something totally different, and I'm going to overload certain sides. And the best example of this is the San Francisco game in the opener, where he sends J. Ron Curse on a blitz, overload blitz. They're baffled. He throws an interception. Like, Zimmer is fantastic at designing these blitzes on third downs. So even if you're giving a little, giving a little, giving a little, they just are the best uh, in the entire league by a wide margin because of his scheme on third downs. True, but but keep keep in mind, starting with the second half of that Saints game, Philadelphia playoff game, first four games of last year, he got out coached or out schemed at times, and, and then and then to his credit, he adjusted. He, yeah. he fixed but, it because they overcomplicated it those first four weeks of the season. But if I tell you there, there's go, there's going to be a three to four game span at which things are going to, 
uh, to be off. I've now eroded those 11 wins. See, see Let's I say don't down think so. Nine. I think you factor for those anyway because it's the NFL. I mean, people gripped on to that Rams game forever, but it's the NFL. Like, the Rams put up 60 points in a game at one point, right? Or 50? What was the game oh, against the Chiefs uh, game? The Chiefs game. Oh, yeah, God. I mean, I mean, got the whole staff so, fired. So, so that, but that happens in the NFL where someone this year will put up 30-plus points and you just have to outscore them at some point. But I think on the whole... Zimmer has the ability to raise the level of play even when a lot of things go wrong because all the things that you guys named going wrong, they all went wrong last year, and they were still fourth in the NFL in yards, third in expected points. But they won eight games, Matthew. Well, that's that's because they were 19th in offense. And this is my point about how when we talk about what could go wrong to take away from them winning the NFC North, like I, I don't see some of those problems on defense is enough for me to say, oh, they couldn't get to your 11 wins. I think you even factor when you're doing your, your schedule run through and, and getting 11 wins that some of those things will go wrong, and they'll also go wrong for other teams too. Well, I think 11-5 and five is a good ceiling. Like, that's not your basement. Your basement should be 9-7. and seven. Like, It really should be. Like, they should, not, should, they should be no worse than 9-7, and seven, and if they are, people deserve to lose their jobs. Like, just, that's just what it is. Like, it is too talented of a roster. Too well, can, too well constructed of a team for them to be worse than 9-7, and seven, barring catastrophic injury. The coaching staff is smart. They've done this for six, especially the defensive staff has done this for six years now. They know the weaknesses of this team. They know how to scheme around those weaknesses. And I expect with when you have Kevin Stefanski running Gary Kubiak's offense and Gary Kubiak there to help him do it, there's really no room for error there unless it honestly, as Judd was saying, I mean, how many, like, in what ways could Kirk's weaknesses catapult this season in a negative direction? Well, uh, okay, I've got it for that. And then I've got the one player or two players, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, who could go down that would change my win-loss record or, or your 11-5. and five. But uh, the answer is situations. I mean, last year, there were how many times, how many games did Kirk Cousins have a chance where they're within a score to win a game where he where you just needed a yep. big play from Kirk Cousins that everyone else didn't play perfect they almost never do but the chance was there so Los Angeles is a great example we all blame the defense but they have the ball in their hands down by one score a chance to go tie the game and, and it ju- and it just doesn't happen and even that week 17 Chicago game there were plenty of opportunities to make plays that would have kept them in that to give them a chance Patriots and Seahawks the, the too pa- Patriots right Seahawks it's right there I mean, they were shutting down the Seahawks' offense that entire night, score one touchdown, and you win that game. Even in the Buffalo game, they get behind, but it's still Buffalo, and you've got plenty of chances to come back, and it just didn't happen. So if you were going to tell me that the Packers turned out to be pretty good, the Bears are pretty good, the Lions are better, and a lot of games came down to one score, a fourth-quarter drive, then I could say, yeah, that, that could catapult it because it seems like historically over his career, those spots are the toughest for Kirk Cousins to come through. And I can't decide whether it's something really specific to him. I, I mean, is it? Is, is it, it processing? Is it that, is it, could it possibly be like limited to something as simple as that that we can't really define it, we can't explain it? Because I'm looking at he's had nine fourth-quarter comebacks, and he's only led 12 game-winning drives. He's been a quarterback now in this league. He's going into his eighth season, which I believe – would be his fifth as a starter. But this is just like that's not a him. lot. It's just him, though. Yeah, but I mean, like, is that the? Like, can the can, can we him. delve into that a little bit further? Right. Why is that? Like, why is it? Like, is it processing? Because I tend to think it is. I tend to think the same type of processing he has on batted down passes and screens that go awry because he can't sense pressure quick enough and things like that. I tend to think that that's the same type of thing. Getting the yips. People talk about that. That's a real thing. Is it possible that he has? like an anxiety that raises up in those situations because even when we watch them in practice how many they do it every day situational stuff it's the last minute of the game here Mm -hmm. offense drive down and score how many can you remember where they've scored a touchdown i mean only a couple for the entire training camp they did that today didn't they did they score a touchdown today? The other day I mean, they missed a 59-yard field goal. Judd, I mean, you would love that. It's, oh, no. But it's a, it seems to be, historically with Kirk Cousins, right. a struggle for him. And it goes back to the game where he accidentally kneeled down instead of spiking the yeah. ball, where it seems like 
things start spinning a little bit fast. And it kind of reminds me of the conversations about Donovan McNabb throwing up in the huddle, that there are some guys who tend to feel the pressure in the moment a little bit more, like they know that they're being judged on this and whether they come through or not, and some people don't. And this is one of the reasons that Zimmer loved Teddy Bridgewater so much is you just go watch the games. He came, he came, but he came through in the big moments repeatedly. Think about the, the mental capacity that that what one has to have to be a top flight quarterback in this league because kirk i think has the physical i think he has the god-given physical abilities to be probably great probably but think about what you have to see and and process and do instantaneously instant not you know i'm going to think about this and then when, when you hear kirk in press conferences he's always sort of setting himself up for why it didn't go right and it probably wasn't his fault but he doesn't he I don't I don't think he has the the and this guy was not a great QB but fun to watch. I don't think he has the mental trigger that Case had. Keenum had this bleep it, I'm gonna do it. And in that one year it was fantastic. It worked. Well, it was a short term fix. Right, but I don't think Kirk has the switch. And and, so, and somewhere between Brett Favre's that was just a stupid play. You're unbelievably talented, <laughs> but that was a stupid yeah, play. Yeah. And Kirk's I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. There's a happy medium, yeah. but he's not there. So I, my my thought on this a little bit is I think what you wrote about for ESPN about Kirk Cousins and running and making plays off schedule, that it does not come natural to him when there's pressure or something else like that to pull the ball down and go create something on his own. Right. So when you watch Patrick Mahomes, if you watched him at Texas Tech, you know that he did this all the time. Their offensive line was horrible, and he would just be pressured right away, and he would use that massive arm to just figure something out. Brett Favre is the all-time example of just figure something out, roll around, make a play. Aaron Rodgers at his best does this. And so if you're not the all-time great quick processor like you're talking about, like the Brady or Breeze, you better be able to kind of figure something out on the move, on the run, pull the ball down, throw it to somebody, just huck it up there. And he doesn't really do those things. So it has to kind of go all right for him aligned in those big situations because oftentimes things break down. You're running no huddle and somebody gets confused and you have to figure it out. And that just doesn't really happen for him. So if you're talking about what could derail the season is if you get two or three of those games that are close and he has the same type of performances that he has in the past with sort of odd decisions or mistakes in big situations, that could take it down, and I think that's largely what it took it down last year. Well, that's the thing we don't talk about. Like, no, everybody wants like an actual reason for like why a drive. Like, you know, did somebody run, run the wrong route? Yeah. Did did Kirk throw a pick? What happened? But like, some, it's hard to quantify. He got nervous. He got this. He he had something. Something else intangible went wrong, um, which is why I mean, you bring up my story with the, that was the whole reason I was asking about that for the last week, just asking about them running more, because. Are asking Kirk to run more, and it's not running just to run. It's going off schedule. You know, we talk about next level. What are the things that he can do differently with his game? Stuff like arm strength, stuff like accuracy, that stuff doesn't change eight years into the league. Right. But going off schedule, can you realistically, when there's so many risks that are with a guy like this that come with him running, i.e. fumbling and getting hurt, um, why would you want to almost get more out of like him with that? Just because you know the associated risks with that. But like, I look at the situation with him, um, and I go back to his draft profile because I would just I was randomly perusing it the other day. Let me read you his weaknesses. Um, Cousins is widely considered to be a game manager type at the next level. He makes good decisions with the ball, but has not shown he can make flash plays to mm-hmm. move the offense and win games for his team. At the next level, he will need talent around him to succeed, which limits his value. Boy, this is 2012 that this came out. Yeah, it's 2019. Nothing has changed there, which is why when we see these things happen, which I think they inevitably will, which yeah. is why I have 11 and 5, because you're not, I'm not going to factor in somebody having a brain fart. I can't <laughs> do that. Like, I cannot do that when I'm looking at like, the overall body of work of a team because you can't tell when that stuff's going to happen. You can't predict it. So let me throw out a theory on the going off schedule thing and why it would matter now than maybe in the past. 
when you look at the status of defensive lines versus offensive lines in the NFL, uh, Pro Football Focus has studied this. I wrote about this last year. Peter King wrote about this, too. The offensive lines are giving up more pressures than they ever have in the past, and the pressure rate keeps going up. Look at the defensive talent. Look at every draft. If you follow the draft at all, everyone, oh, well, this is stacked at defensive end. This is stacked at interior defensive line. Look at the NFC North. Every team has an elite defensive lineman that's going to be going up against the Vikings' pretty mediocre offensive line. And you kind of go around the league, there are a few really great offensive lines. Most of them are just kind of meh, and then there are some that are bad. There's very few teams that don't have at least one top-notch defensive lineman. So I think what that does is it increases the value of having a guy who can pull the ball down and move and run because those pressures are getting there quicker and quicker. So if you're not getting rid of the ball fast, like Ben Roethlisberger does, like Tom Brady does, so Roethlisberger was quickest in the league last year, catching it and getting rid of it. Cousins was 17th. He was not getting rid of the ball quickly last year despite a really bad offensive line. So I think it's not just that he has to do a little more moving, pulling the ball down to make a play, but also sometimes just getting rid of it quicker. And I don't think that's going to happen to you. Well, you see, you've seen him do it in camp, and I mean, I think there was one play that just like sailed into uh, Seattle's sideline the other day, like like threw it like nearly to the stands. Um, if you can get better at doing that, because Teddy would, well, I mean, well, Teddy would throwing the ball away. He Teddy would either yep. throw the ball away or yep. he'd take a sack. Like he had no issue doing that, and Kirk really hasn't either. He's very durable. I mean, I don't think he wants to take sacks, sure. but he doesn't throw um, the ball away very often. But he doesn't, and I, we've seen, I think, a tiny bit more of that in training camp. Um, will that actually translate to a game? I think it's, I don't know how you tell about stuff like that, but it's it's mitigating the errors. Like stop, like you know, at some point, hero ball isn't doesn't work in the NFL if you are a certain quarterback. If you're outside of like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, etc. He's afraid of doing that. It, but he's he, the anti. He he wants to not make that mistake and thus takes away opportunities. Correct, but. And it's some. And I'm not saying that he's trying to do it, but it's almost like just the the way he's processing it looks like it, and it looks like it's going to end up in disaster. This entire discussion, though, is intriguing because it comes back to one thing: you have to trust that Kirk Cousins is going to be given circumstances where he is basically a puppet on a string who can run what Gary wants. Not because he lacks the physical ability to be successful, he doesn't, but because you don't know how far mentally you can stretch him. Or, I think, in order to avoid the things that we're talking about that probably won't change very much, you just have to be ahead. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, this is right. Like, <laughs> which, just, which, how do you get there? Well, you have your, de- your defense yeah, is the strength of your team. And that's right. Your defense has to be good. Giving you good field position, your special teams, the whole thing. But also in neutral situations in the first half when it's a tie game, when it's 7-7 to or something like this, you've just got to be better. Like this offense, when it can run play actions. See, that's that's another thing is that we talk about Kirk being so great with these play actions, but the other side of that story is how much better he is when he doesn't have it. Well, when do you not have it? Fourth quarter, third down, the defense knows you're passing, and it sort of tells you a little bit about him as a quarterback. But if you can get ahead early because your offense is designed really well to fit Kirk Cousins and play good enough defense, then you're going 11-5. and five. So, it, so it's, it's really in part, and I don't know how to do this other than just play good, but it's really a big part of this is keeping their quarterback away from the situations where he's worse, which does mean getting ahead, controlling the ball, being able to run the ball and run clocks out and things like that. Last year, they got behind, and you saw all the weaknesses when they would get behind. Well, what about you, you bring up third down? What if they? That's the thing that I was asking Zimmer about. Like, if you if you're not expecting the quarterback, if you're expecting Matt Ryan back there, or you're expecting a statue or Kirk Cousins, like defenses are. If they know that they have no mobile threat at quarterback, they know exactly what they're doing every single time on third down. Wouldn't that be a perfect scenario where if you want to like try to like not every single time, but yeah, have him run, have him yep. run, have him run. I sometimes. mean, yep. But do you are you more worried about the error associated with that if it is a I, tight game I would, situation? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be because I I want to do whatever I can to keep him away. He doesn't sense pressure, but if I can physically as a coach move him out of that pressure, mm-hmm. I'll do that. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you, this comes back to me to saying you've got gifts, but. Processing-wise, probably not. So what can, I, what can my offense do specifically to make you succeed? 
And, and I think you're right. I think if you roll him out, because he, he's not going to scramble run, but if he actually can move... Only and, in and, desperation situations. Uh, I think he does need to scramble like, run I think he, I need to, yeah. Well, he probably does, but that's not that's not what I'm consistently asking yeah, for. Yeah, the rollout. But I yeah. am saying I am going to take him and shift his pocket around yeah. because that gives him a better yes. chance. If yes. Change his launch points. Yes, if he's... It helps the offensive line. We talk, But we yes. talked about this whole thing last year. I remember Well, they just wouldn't do it, though. They tried, and if you and with play action too, and depending upon like where your drops are, you can change where the quarterback is releasing the ball from. Uh, it just it's a matter now. I mean, that goes back to the offensive line argument. Can they hold their blocks long enough? Can they can they support him in order like to do that? So that's something is you know I think you just have to let the games play out to see if that actually comes to fruition. But it's not like they didn't try. I just think that. At a certain point, they had to bail on that because of the weak. They were already exposed with the weakness of their team with the offensive line. It would expose it even further if they tried to, you know, continue to move him around back there. Yeah, I, I think that they tried to do that. You're right, but then they would get behind. Uh, there would and then be, you have no choice except to drop back and pass. Right, I mean, that's, exactly. That's and, and, what the situation they were and, in. And that will determine it. Like, we're talking about the situations, and, and I, the way I think of it is if – this offense can be designed a little bit better, and they can hit on big plays, and they can not turn the ball over on pick sixes and things like that. I don't think that Cousins is a quarterback who, if you get down 7 points, 14 points, that he's going to come back and win. It's He'll put up some big yards and come 7 really yards short. Right. Yeah, exactly. By, Fantasy owners like by throwing underneath and completing a lot of percentage of his passes and things like that that we've seen with Sam Bradford, too. Um, but I do think that if he's playing really well from the outset because everything is designed better for him and you have more games where you're in the lead and then look for Delvin Cook to break a big run or something like that, that's the way to avoid putting Kirk Cousins in those spots and how you can win 11 games. Now, I, I said there were two players that I would say would change my win-loss that are not the quarterback for what could potentially go wrong to change an 11-5 and potential record. Uh, let's talk about those when we come back. Judd Bulgad, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. All right, it is Score North download time, and it's uh, we're about eight minutes in front of three o'clock. We got Purple Daily going on right now until four, live at the Great Minnesota Get Together, the Minnesota State Fair. We are here. Uh, we'll be broadcasting live shows all the way through Labor Day, the last day of the fair. So come on out and check us out. And uh, you can always uh, come to our Score North merchandise booth. That will be open at 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. And uh, if you show us your Score North mobile app on your phone, you'll receive a $5 T-shirt. And also, we are donating all proceeds from the All Arise T-shirts to Luis Arise's favorite charity, the Ronald McDonald House. So stop on by the Score North merchandise booth for all of that good stuff. That's your Score North download, and now let's return to Purple Daily with Collar, Cronin, and Zolgad. Thank you very much, Manny. We are back here at the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, the best way I can describe where we are is by the cookies. You can and smell them. You'll know it by me saying that. We are near the cookies. So if you want to come, come bring by. us one of the tubs, it would usually be much Usually they do. They look pretty busy They usually right do now. that, yeah. yeah. So well, can they do that within the next hour? <laughs> Uh, we'll light Cronin, a fire Judd under Zellhead. them for you, Courtney. Um, I want um, the pony that just walked by that that guy was carrying over his shoulder. You were motioning to me about yeah. that. Well, you uh, said that you want a giant stuffed animal to here, keep in the media so. room. I'm going to name it Judd, and I'm just going <laughs> to keep it there. That's sort of weird, right there. Uh, so we were talking about just you know Courtney picking the Vikings to go 11 and five, and what could knock them off of that or what needs to happen for them to be 11-5 and I think that would be a very successful season that probably wins the NFC North that puts them in the playoffs and then who knows from there and if they could get a home playoff game I would pretty much across the board pick them to win any home playoff game if you're playing at U.S. Bank Stadium this team is extremely hard to defeat at home so um but the the one or two I guess I, I put a slash here so we'll call it one player um, but it's really two that could get hurt that would change the record is Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs because the way that I've looked at this receiver battle behind 
those two is there's nobody who could step into their roles. We've liked what Chad Beebe has done as a number three guy during training camp and preseason, but there's no way he's as dynamic as they are. And I don't think that there's enough uh, Gary Kubiak magic or anything else to fill that spot and have it be anywhere remotely similar. I mean, we've seen in these preseason games and we've seen in the past couple of years with either one of these guys that they can make good quarterbacks look great a lot of times, whether it's Sam Bradford or it's Case Keenum or it's Kirk Cousins, and both of them go over 100 catches last year. I think you have to have both or you're just not winning as many games. I think your passing game goes down by a ton if you don't have both of those guys. Yeah, because your, your security blankets are, are basically gone. I mean, if your cousins, and, and we saw this against the Saints, and then we saw it on Sunday against Seattle, if your cousins, you can basically throw the ball up, which, by the way, I think you hate to do. Like, I don't think you're comfortable. I think you can do He's it. He's becoming more comfortable throwing contested. Right, right, but you're comfortable because of the two guys, right? Mm-hmm. If you throw the ball to Thielen, you're pretty darn sure he, he's, he, he is going to catch it. Um yeah, I can see that. There are more people than that that if they're lost would probably change my opinion a little bit. But, yeah, if you go from Thielen and Diggs-Courtney to, let's say, um, Diggs and Beebe, mm-hmm. and now what, which is a huge what, yeah, that'd be a tough ask. That's where I'm at with Matthew in thinking about why they complement each other so well. And to clarify, because there was someone who was a little huffy about this at me on Twitter, <laughs> Here Adam go. Thielen. Got you on Twitter? I know. Never Adam happens. Thielen is a number one receiver on this team. Not on every team. I, I, and I think that's a fair thing to say. Sure. But when he and Stephon Diggs are together, and what that does for this offense, because you know defenses are going to scheme to one, if not both. You don't. You're not going to see bracket coverage every single time on both of them. But think about that Detroit game last year where Diggs had. Uh, I don't remember what the injury was, but it was week nine. He had the injury and he was out. Thielen's held to four catches for 22 yards. And, and BB, I believe, was active in that game. Laquan Treadwell was active in that game. Do, did either Ooh. of them do any? Outside of BB, that's had a like, debatable statement. Had like, I know. Um, I opened myself up <laughs> he to He played. I opened, he was there. <laughs> yeah, that's Jersey. Um, so are we. But um, it, opens you, it opens up your weaknesses that much more. I mean, those two have worked so well together for the last three, four seasons. Um, and, and it is. The offense is built around them. I mean, I know that they say they're going to build the offense essentially around Dalvin Cook this year. That remains to be seen in my mind. Certainly the, the running game is going to have more of a focus, and that means the target share for receivers is going to go down. And I don't know if you have 200, you know, if, if Thielen crosses the 90-catch threshold. I don't know if Diggs does that, which is given the other focal points of this offense. But either way, if either of them go down, you're going to be in trouble because that that's just giving defenses free reign to key in on one guy. Yeah, I think you're losing or you're winning fewer games with, with one of those guys is out for more than a game or two. Unless it's, I mean, if it's a, a really easy stretch, but when's the easy stretch of this schedule? I mean, it's it's not. Um, it's not a first place schedule, but it definitely has hard parts of it, especially in the second yeah, half when sure. they go on the road so often. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back. Impromptu hot routes. Yes. You gonna be okay, Manny? Can you handle this? Oh, I'm I'm born ready to handle oh, okay, this. Okay, that's good. Me. All right, we'll do uh, we'll do some hot routes when we come back. We'll take a look at some stories around the NFL and just the tease. Sean McVay is doing something, so I think it's gonna become a trend. We will discuss when we return. This is Purple Daily here on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. 